Welcome back to 80s Action Pod. I am Jay the Movie Guy, amateur podcaster who does this basically for fun. Chance for me to uh, sit back, watch these old movies and TV shows, and just take about a half an hour, 40 minutes, and talk about them. Well, the other day I was asked how I pick my movies. And uh, it's a pretty interesting process, but let me tell you a little bit more about myself before I get into that. You see, the first movie I ever remember seeing at the theaters, well, not even a theater, it was a drive-in, was uh, Star Wars. And uh, we saw it at the drive-in. But the first movie I remember actually seeing in the movie theaters was Tootsie with my, uh, my mom and dad and my sister. I don't think my younger brother was with us, but I do remember seeing that. And then from then, we never really saw movies in the theater just because, one, the theater was a half an hour away. They weren't... And it just wasn't something we did as a family. But some of the movies I do remember seeing at the theaters were... Uh, I saw Return of the Jedi. I saw uh, Police Academy 2, Desperately Seeking Susan... E.T., uh, Return to Oz, that's a messed up movie, and uh, but I've always enjoyed movies. I've had so much fun watching movies, especially when Cable first came out, we had HBO, so getting to see the movies on HBO was really cool and really sweet, but when I got older and I had a job and had my own car, we would always, on weekends, I'd go see movies with friends and stuff like that, you know, basic basic things that uh, kids do. And then when I was in college, I was good friends with people who actually worked at our local theater. And uh, on weekends, as long as the movie wasn't sold out and we bought concessions, we got to go see movies for free, which was sweet as all can get out. But uh, for me, I also had a movie collection. Started with VHS, and I had probably well over 500 VHS tapes. And... Uh, you know how big VH test tapes are. You, you, when you, plus, you get 500 of them. It took up a huge, huge section. I mean, I had everything from uh, the Star Wars movies to action movies to horror movies to Disney movies. And it was a huge collection. I was the person people would come to if they couldn't find something at a video store. They would ask, hey, do you have that? And most chances, I did. But all of a sudden, VHS went to uh, DVD and then eventually Blu-ray. So I started slowly converting all my movies from VHS to disc. And from then, my collection, I think at one point, was just shy of a thousand videos, DVDs, and Blu-ray. And that still took up. I had an entire closet that was just nothing but was nothing but DVDs and videos and and it took up a huge section but the worst part was though you were tied to where you could watch them you had to have a DVD player on a TV uh, later you could do laptops and computers with that you could watch them on but but you were still tied to where you could watch movies at well today I am so happy with the uh, streaming services and um Companies like Vudu and Movies Anywhere, where you can own the digital rights for for your own copy of the movie, so you can watch those anywhere. I'm talking on your cell phone, on smart TVs, your computers, your laptops. You can take you can take your finally take your movies with you, and 
that's now where my video collection is. And I probably have, between the streaming services that I have, I probably have almost 1,500 movies at my fingertips. Not including what's on Netflix and Amazon Prime and Tubi and all these other services that have the movies. But now, getting back to how I pick my movies, is availability. Because a lot of movies from the 70s and uh, early 80s, this wasn't even thought of. I mean, the digital rights. I mean, who owns who owns them? Where are they? Some of these companies are completely gone. And nobody knows what's ever going to happen with them because... If a movie was put out by Paramount or Columbia or Disney, yeah, you know the rights are out. They're probably already available on digital. But some of these companies that lasted through the early 80s and then disappeared or were bought out, but nobody knew who owned what rights are out there. You you don't know what movie you can watch. So, and it makes it really hard to find. I mean, you can find some of them illegally where people are streaming from VHS and I don't want to do that. I don't get into that. But the, the the rights of the movies make it hard. But as slowly as their rights are slowly being bought out by the companies and they're figuring out, they're they're showing up. They're showing up on the streaming services and the, and the digital services. But that's how I pick my movies. Is uh, what what I have from that year that's already available. I mean, Empire Strikes Back, Episode One obvious was out there um dragon slayer owned by disney it was out there first blood one of the biggest action movies action franchises ever with rambo of course it was out there and then i had it narrowed down to a couple other movies i wanted to do for this year for 1983 and i mean obviously return of the jedi not going to do it this season since i already started with empire strikes back but it will be coming. And so I put it out there on uh, what I wanted to do that I had, that I actually had copies of that I could watch. And I put it out there between Crawl and Blue Thunder. And a few people put it out there. and was like, oh, I never saw Blue Thunder. So I was like, all right. And uh, someone else said, yeah, do you got to do Blue Thunder? It's a, it's a true action movie. And I mean, it's a sweet as hell uh, helicopter with a Gatling gun on it. So... That's how I pick my movies, is based on availability. So, obviously, since I've already told you what the movie is, cause so it kind of gets rid of all the suspense, so let's talk about 1983. Welcome to May 13th, 1983, as we talk about Columbia Pictures, Blue Thunder, starring Roy Schneider, Warren Oaks, Candy Clark, Daniel Stern, and Malcolm McDowell. The movie opens up with Frank Murphy, played by Roy Schneider, as a uh, Metropolitan Police Department's Air Support Division. He's a Vietnam veteran who also suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder. Sort of like what we talked about in uh, First Blood. He was basically being assigned a new uh, uh, 
new observation officer to go out with him. And uh, he takes him out. Uh, takes him out for his first night out there. And uh, right off the bat, he flies his helicopter around. And they, uh, they uh, use the spotlight to uh, shine down on a, on, a, on a convenience store robbery. And then they turn around and they fly out. And uh, he takes him out to what they call the 1030 special. And it's this actress who uh, does yoga in the nude in this gigantic mansion with gigantic bay windows. So they fly the helicopter there and they kind of peep in on her and Daniel Stern, a very young Daniel Stern is like, Oh my gosh. And you can tell he's a horn dog right off the bat. And, uh, they check that out. And as they're turning around, they're flying air support. They, uh, spot a car sitting outside in a decent neighborhood. They call it in an abandoned car. And, uh, as you're doing air support and they fly around and they come back, uh, a, uh, councilwoman, uh, an African-American councilwoman is attacked and the news is calling it an, a, a rape, but it's not. She was attacked. She was robbed and, uh, roughed up. But as the police show up and, uh, the helicopter's there shining the light down and this, the support, she actually gets shot. And uh, you found out that she's on the mayor's task force to uh, stop violence in Los Angeles. And uh, and they're calling it that the violence now has gone into her neighborhood. And, and it's basically, it's, it's really hard to explain how the city wants to keep basically what's like almost kind of going on today where uh, it's racially motivated and uh, but you find out that she passes away from the attack so Murphy comes back takes the helicopter back and he's called in and said hey uh, we got a complaint about a helicopter flying outside of a mansion woke somebody up you guys are grounded but that didn't last long because all of a sudden now Murphy who is a Vietnam era pilot is called out to hey we want you to check something out we got we were selected since you gotta remember this is 93 the 1984 Olympics were held in Los Angeles so they're playing kind of up on that saying hey we're called out to be this test city for this new um, protection helicopter and uh, we want you to come out and take a look at it see what they do and everything like that so he's like alright so they take him out to this government uh Insulation in the Majab in, in the desert uh, called Pink, a place called Pinkville, and uh, they inform him that the advanced helicopter called the Special with the nickname Blue Thunder was going to be doing an exercise. So as they're sitting there and they're watching, they have this the city street set up with uh, white cardboard cutouts or uh, to be uh, civilians, and then they have the red cardboard cutouts and stuff to be the terrorists. And they say, well. What we're going to do is we're going to show you how good this thing is. And all of a sudden, here comes Blue Thunder. And it has this, the Gatling gun. The most iconic part of the Blue Thunder is the Gatling gun on the front of it. And they come and make this pass. And, and they take out the terrorists, but they also take out a fair chunk of uh, of the civilians, too. And Well, in, in a situation like this, it's collateral damage. We're okay with that. But... 
they're they're just not. Yeah, I mean, to me, it was a failed test. But I mean, they they want to fast track this thing into uh, urban air, or urban air support, especially with the Olympics coming on and all this. But so they get to go down and they look at the helicopter and they find out it's it's uh, it's not quite bulletproof, but pretty darn close. And it's a Gatling gun and it has surveillance. And, thermal imaging and it has a turbo boost and this thing is like decked out to the nines that i mean everything you'd want on a helicopter it was there and uh, it was meant for surveillance and um as i said air support with a machine gun on it then at the time they didn't want guns on uh on uh police helicopters So now with all this, and then he finds out that one of his uh, former former colonels from Vietnam uh, is the pilot of Blue Thunder, and uh, they have a history together. They they don't like each other. Um, you find out later that part of his post traumatic stress is they were questioning somebody in Vietnam, and they threw him out of a helicopter. And okay, I'll. A little bit flash forward ahead, but you find out that it was that uh, this Colonel um, Cochran, played by Malcolm McDowell, was the one who threw him out of the helicopter, and then they uh, didn't, they never got along from it then, and he basically got out of Vietnam and all that. So, but now you hear you have Blue Thunder coming in, and uh, they were like, "All right, now we want to do a test through the city." So the the Colonel Cochran realizes, okay, Murphy, we don't get along. Says, all right, you fly this other helicopter, you follow me through the city and everything like that, and then you show me around and we'll see what you can do and then and all that. So, But he messes with the uh, control panel or not the control panel, but something on the outside of the uh, the motor. And as they're going, they're flying around the city. Uh, Murphy's helicopter gives way and they end up crash landing in a construction site. I mean, he's such a good pilot, though, that he lands it where him and Daniel Stern's character both both survive. And he's like, all right, something's up and all that. But he's also trying to figure out what's up with the uh, the uh, councilwoman who was murdered. So he uh, goes out and he kind of checks out the scene and everything like that. And he finds a... Uh, piece of paper that was a lot of it was written in Spanish and uh, but he finds something that says Project Thor not knowing exactly what that is he hands it off to a friend of his to kind of look into it but a little bit later on he actually gets to fly Blue Thunder so he gets to give it a test run and goes through flies it through the city and everything like that and they're bringing it back when uh, he realizes that uh, the colonel is uh, leaving in his Corvette and uh, he they fake the whole whole radio thing, oh radio's going out, can't hear you can't hear you and he kind of follows them and uh, through town to the federal building and as they're sitting there and they're trying to figure out with all the surveillance stuff and everything like that, they figure out where they're at in the federal building and they start recording and uh, hit turn on the heat thermal and they can see there's five or six people in there and they're talking about how 
hell, this helicopter, they're lying to why it's there. It's not for protection and support. It's actually there to be um, a very primitive version of, uh, if you if you were to watch Captain America uh, Winter Soldier on how that program was where they were going to basically take out every threat and uh, do all that, that Captain America and Falcon were trying to stop that. That's what Blue Thunder was going to be made for. It was going to be made for uh, basically an offensive to go against the urban parts of Los Angeles. And they're recording all this. And they're talking about, oh, how they had the councilwoman killed. And what are they going to have to do with Murphy? And they're saying, well, we've got to have to kill him. I mean, just get rid of him. We can make it look like an accident. And as the helicopter's out there recording this, Malcolm McDowell character, Colonel Cochran, opens up the window and looks out the window, and there's Blue Thunder. So now they know they're had, they're got, they got to figure out, all right, we got to get the tapes off there, we got to get everything here, because we're, we're dead. We're dead in the water. So they go back, they, uh, they fly the helicopter, and uh, Daniel Stearns, Lyman Good is his name in the movie, um, he goes, I can get the tape out, we just got to get rid of it. Get, get, not get rid of it, but hide it so they can't find it. So they're sitting there and they're everybody coming back. And he's like, get the tape out. And, uh, they realize that the tape tapes out and all the incriminating evidence is on there. So they head out and, and, uh, Murphy is like, Oh no, what do we got to get to do? We got to figure something out. And then you go back to Lyman good. And, uh, he get he goes back to his apartment. He sneaks in or not sneaks in. He goes in and he opens the door and there's somebody there just sitting there and they're like, okay, we're going to make this easier. We're going to make this hard. Um, I'm going to break every, basically break your fingers, break your knees, break your feet and all that. Where's the tape? And he doesn't talk, doesn't talk. And all of a sudden you hear the snap as he break his one finger. They don't say it, but you hear it. And, uh, he, he kind of like tricks him, like, here, I'll write it down. I'll tell you where it is. Draw your map. So they go over to get pen and paper, and he he kicks him. Well, okay, he, his hands are tied behind his back, and he's also duct taped on the mouth. So so he goes uh, goes to get the pen and paper, and he turns around, and he kicks the one guy, and he goes out the door, and there's another guy coming up, and he kicks him, and he's trying to run down the street with his hands tied behind his back, and he's running through Los Angeles. And uh, he's running past the 7-Eleven. My question is, why didn't he run into the 7-Eleven? But he didn't. And he ran around and he runs into somebody on a bike. And uh, he falls to the ground and the guy's chasing him. Come around. And I remember this uh, from the first time I remember it. it, To me, when I was younger, it just seemed worse than it was. But I mean, he is run over by a car. And I was just like, it was and just just the visual of it they i mean for practical effects from 83 it was it was a pretty gnarly gnarly uh, event but he runs him over and uh murphy is still out trying to figure out what's going on cuz he knows what they have and all of a sudden they put an apb out for murphy trying to find him when his pager yes pagers goes off and he goes and listens to his messages and uh Lima good tells him hey I didn't think it was a good place to take the uh, 
tape home or keep it in my car or someplace where they can find it. But he tells them where it's at and he hid it in a uh, dumpster in a uh, drive-in movie theater. So now you have Murphy. He's trying to get back, trying to figure out what's going on. There's a they're hunting him down. He makes his way back to the police station. He's trying to sneak in and he's trying to get into Blue Thunder to uh, listen to a message that was left in there. So he listens, gets in there and uh, then he realizes what's going on. So he's like, you know what? He hijacks the helicopter. He takes it off and he leaves. And Malcolm McDowell's character, Colonel Cochran is like, no, we got to stop him, got to stop him, knowing that the evidence is there. So, they're flying out. He, well, he's flying out, and uh, they're, like, scrambling helicopters and everything like that. And said, so Blue Thunder has everything he needs on it. So, he calls and tries to call the TV station saying, hey, I got this tape, I got to get to you. It, it's, it's a conspiracy theory tape, we just got to get it to you. And then he calls his girlfriend and says, hey, I need you to go get this and tells her where it's at. So she flies out to go get the tape and uh, he's flying around and all of a sudden helicopters come up and uh, one of them was his former partner flying the one helicopter and they got snipers hanging on the side and they're trying to shoot him, shoot him down or tell him to land. And he's like, listen, I'm not landing so they have a little bit of a, a dog fight in the air, but I mean, Murphy doesn't want to kill his for his, his coworkers or anything like that. So he, he, uh, shoots the, uh, front of the helicopter where the light hangs down and, uh, does a little bit of damage where he has to land. And then he does the same thing with the other helicopter. So those end up, Oh no, no. The other helicopter, he flies down through the, uh, the, uh, runoff water runoff area. So if you remember Terminator, uh, Terminator 2, where Arnold ramps that semi where he's trying to save Edward Furlong, that type of area where he's flying down, and the other helicopter actually crashes into the one, and uh, it lands, or crash lands. So as he gets back there, he's just trying to get up and then uh, find his girlfriend driving her car, and she's being chased by the police, and she finally gets caught, and uh, they're telling her to get out of the car. And it's kind of funny is that she's on a bridge when this happens, and all of a sudden, this helicopter just flies just right up and points the gun at the police officers. And uh, they kind of like freak out. She gets back in the car. She takes off and they get in the car to go after her. And he shoots, shoots the uh, the gun on Blue Thunder and just tears her car in half. So the back half stops and the front half keeps driving for a little bit. It's, it was a little bit of comedy in there, but we've got another comedy spot coming up too in a decent action movie. And uh, so now the current Colonel Cochran and his cohorts are like, okay, we got the Air Force. They're going to scramble a couple fighter jets. So now we have two fighter jets coming in above Los Angeles. They're like, oh, they're going to destroy everything. And it's like, oh, no, we can cut them out of the sky. These missiles are heat-seeking missiles. So Murphy's flying around, making sure his, his uh, girlfriend gets the tape to the, the uh, television station when the F... The, uh, the fighter jets. I can't remember if they're F-16s. I think they most likely are. And uh, they're trying to come in and they get a lock on them. And uh, he basically flies Blue Thunder above a uh, 
like a barbecue shack where they're like smoking smoking chickens and stuff like that. So the heat from it. So when they launch the heat-seeking missile, he sits there, sits there, sits there. It's the last second. He pulls away with Blue Thunder and they blow up blow up this uh, uh, barbecue chicken factory. Not factory, but restaurant type place. And, uh, and there's a scene <laughs> where like all the cooked chicken like fly up and then just cut coming down it that was a nice little chuckle for that part and then as he f- flies around and come around and it's like cat and mouse through the city of los angeles he like parks in front of this uh, not parks but hovers in front of a, a high rise when the other f-16 says all right shoot shoot his heat seeking missile on him and at the last second he moves and he basically blows uh i don't want to say blows up an entire building but he takes out a few floors of a building and uh the the air force is like you know what no this is too dangerous we can't do that it's either got to be small or we gotta wait till he runs out of gas or what but no we're done with the f-16s um especially after the one he actually shoots the one down and he makes sure he makes sure that the pilot actually ejects in the land safely. So, so, I mean, Murphy doesn't want to kill any, anybody. He, he, he realizes that there's a core set of four or five bad guys and that's it. So, I mean, he made sure that the uh, F-16 pilot was safe and everything like that. So now the Colonel himself has gotten a helicopter gunship and he's stalking him around Los Angeles in and out of the buildings and everything like that. And, uh, he sneaks up on, on Murphy and uh, shoots him with some 50 caliber and uh, they break through some of the window and does uh, some damage to the uh, the gun and the tracking system on uh, Blue Thunder and uh, and Frank Murphy gets shot too and does some damage to him and so there's doing this uh, cat and mouse now and at one point the uh, Colonel's Cochran's ship is the helicopter is behind Blue Thunder. Blue Thunder does a uh, a complete loop in the air. I mean, where he takes Blue Thunder upside down, and, and Cochran's like, "That's impossible! You can't do that! It's impossible!" And then as he comes back around, as uh, Cochran's trying to follow him, doing the same thing, and uh, Murphy hits, shoots and. Uh, shoots the uh, Cochran's uh, helicopter right in the underbelly and blows him up. And that's like one of the only, actually probably is the only person he himself kills in the entire movie, but Cochran's blown up, blown out of the sky. And at this time, the uh, girlfriend's got the tape to the news media and they're watching it. And uh, they tried to send someone there to stop them to erase the tape and everything like that, but it didn't work. It failed. And the, uh, TV reporter gets it. They watch it and said, okay, okay, this guy in the helicopter, he's a good guy. The other guys are the bad guys. So when all is said and done, it goes out to the news that basically saying, uh, all right, this was a, uh, a conspiracy theory to stop the, uh, urban violence and everything like that to keep the races apart. And just in Murphy was the hero of the day. And he's, basically cleared because of this tape but he decides you know what nobody needs this technology and he looks down and he sees uh, some train tracks with a, a freight train storming down so he goes and he lands blues thunder 
on the train tracks and gets out of it in time as the uh, train just bur- just busts through and destroys Blue Thunder, which is kind of ironic though, because earlier in the movie they said Blue Thunder cost $5 million. And now as you think about it today, I think one of the rockets from an F-16 costs $5 million today. And the F-16s are like hundreds of millions of dollars. So I just thought it was kind of ironic from 1983 that the Blue Thunder itself costs $5 million. But as he lands and he's walking away and Blue Thunder explodes, that's basically where the movie ends. And I mean, it, it literally, it freeze frames right on uh, Roy Schneider or Frank walking away and the train going through Blue Thunder in the background and the credits roll. I mean, movies today would have had a little bit more or uh, had like him on the news being presented as a hero or stuff like that. But no, I mean, it's fairly simple. That's how where the movie ends and the credits roll. And to the credits only run for like two and a half minutes and they cover everything or everybody that they wanted in it. But one of the thing is, is uh, right right at the end of the credits, they have a a, a tribute to uh, Warren Oates, who played uh, the captain, Captain John Braddock, um, who was severely sick while they were filming this movie. He died very, very shortly after it was filmed. He never even got to see the final cut of the movie. So I thought it was it was was a very touching uh, tribute to him also at the end of the credits of the movie. So that is basically me rambling about Blue Thunder. If you are anything like me on the weekends, you like to pull out the smoker or the grill, even in the dead of winter or the heat of the summer. I like to throw on some pork, some brisket, some chicken wings. It doesn't matter. But you know, barbecue sauce just does not have that kick or flavor that I want. That's why I reach for Half's Hot Sauce. What is Half's Hot Sauce, you ask? Well, let me tell you what. Half's Hot Sauce small batch company that makes all natural sauces with lots of local ingredients to Ohio. They strive to bring you a sauce that you want to use on everything from desserts to savory dishes. And not just hot sauce, they also have beef bamboo jerky and snack sticks and honey. But I'm there for the hot sauce. You can get flavors like Maine Squeeze, More Cowbell, Trippy Pickle, Pineapple, Hot Tropic, and the old Razzle Dazzle. They have other flavors too. Just so many, so many good flavors that you got to try them. They also have honey. They got Bosler's Raw Wildflower Clove Honey. You can also get it infused with habanero or ghost pepper. But let me tell you, you can go to halfshotsauce.com and you can see and check out their inventory yourselves. But on checkout, type in the word 80s and you'll get 5% off of your order. That's the word 80s, not 8-0, but I'm talking 80s. Spell it out, and you'll get 5%. And tell them Jay the Movie Guy sent you.
So, Blue Thunder, as I said, was released on May 13th of 1983 and was the number one movie that it, the weekend it came out, taking in an $8.2 million, overtaking the previous week's number one movie, A Flashdance. In its second and third week, it was also the number two movie those weeks. For its total release in the U.S., it made $42.3 million, and it was, it was only truly released in theaters for 66 days. Critically, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a score of 78, and a metric score, or basically fans, have it as 66. I honestly think, um, one, the movie does hold up. I mean, it was almost identical to how I remember watching it for the first time back in 1985. I mean, you got to think, anytime you got a sweet vehicle, somehow, some way, I mean, you got a helicopter with a Gatling gun. I mean, the year before, you had Clint Eastwood with uh, Foxfire. So, I mean, this was where action movies were going at the time. Because, I mean, eventually it led into its competitor. A lot of people think competitor, especially in Hollywood, when you have like, like-minded like movies coming out at the same time. Like, you had uh, Volcano and Dante's Peak, uh, Deep Impact and Armageddon, and different things like that. You had Blue Thunder, and you had Airwolf. And Airwolf had a TV movie and a uh, series that actually ran longer. But Blue Thunder actually... Um, came out in 83 had a television series which I started to try to watch a couple episodes I really did I remember watching it when it came out on TV but to watch it now and realize thank god it only had one season um it's basically the variety bad guy of the week. It, I think it was what the A-team created and made better where each week was a different thing with the same group. But again, it was still it was still pretty cool. It was a helicopter with with the machine gun. I mean, it was it was Knight Rider with a helicopter instead of a car. It was the acting, the storylines were just not as good as I truly remember for the TV series. I do remember watching it. We watched it every week when it was on. I mean, he had his... And it wasn't Roy Schneider. It was a whole new cast. It was a whole new helicopter. Because remember, he destroyed Blue Thunder at the end of the movie. So, this one had his ground support, which was played by Dick Buckus and, Al, and Bubba Smith and they were called Rolling Thunder. So they were his team on the ground and his his uh, observ- ob- uh, observation officer was played by a very, oh my God, very young Dana Carvey. This was way before Saturday Night Live and it took me a double take when I first saw it. Um, the series only had one season, 11 episodes. Um, kind of ended on somewhat of a cliffhanger. But I mean, they were as I said, the villain of the week. It was, well, we're going to stop this African overlord in this episode. We're going to stop this group of bank robbers in this episode. We're going to, oh, I have a a uh, arch rival helicopter pilot who's trying to steal Blue Thunder from me and I got to take care of that. So, 
So, I mean, it did go into the TV series. And again, I, I tried. I really did try to rewatch. I got partway through the first episode and... And I just, I picked a random episode. I think it was episode six and just started watching it. And I'm just like, you could pick it up anywhere. I mean, there, besides it being the helicopter and his team and little side things here and there that are said, it's, it's, it's each episode is, is its own, its own show. A lot like the A-Team was. They would try to weave a story in, but it was basically irre- irrelevant the entire time. So, I mean, so it did spawn a TV series. And it was just... I don't know. I know right now, though, in 2015, Sony bought the rights and proposed a Blue Thunder remake. But they were going to focus on drone technology instead of a helicopter. And it was announced in 2017 that Columbia Pictures would be overseeing the, uh, the remake. Well... That was 2017. Here we are in 2022. And there has been no remake. And you know what? I'm actually kind of happy that there is not. So what was going on in the world during during May, June? Maybe we'll start April, May, and June of 1983. Well, on April 11th, the 55th Academy Awards with uh, Richard Attenborough's Gandhi winning eight of the 11 uh, Oscar nominations it was up for. And one of the biggest hoaxes ever, I mean, ever, German magazine publisher Stern announced the discovery of 25 written diaries written by Adolf Hitler. The diaries turned out to be a hoax in, when they were forensically tested and everything like this, but... Talk about a hoax. That is almost up there with uh, Geraldo Rivera going into Al Capone's vault. So. <laughs> and then we turn around and uh, we look at, uh, on May 21st, David Bowie's single, Let's Dance, hit the top spot in the U.S. Billboard chart. Let's Dance is Bowie's only single to reach number one in both the U.K. and the U.S. And then I'm going to come back to something else that happened in May. But on June 5th, the musical Cats was awarded Best Musical at the Tony Awards. And then probably one of the coolest stories from 1983 that I could ever find and I looked into was on June 6th in Queensland, Australia, an actual true message in a bottle was found on the beach. The message was written 73 earlier 73 years earlier by a passenger aboard the SS Arwada from 1910 and it traveled around the seas and the oceans around Australia before coming up on a beach in Queensland, Australia. I honestly think that is like one of the coolest things I've ever thought about. I mean, you always hear about sending out a message in a bottle or having something like that come up, but that, that, to me, that story is just freaking amazing. But one of the biggest things happened on May 25th of 1983. And as I talked about this a little bit earlier, The Return of the Jedi was released for the first time, its first release, and it became the highest grossing film of 1983. 
And I know it was one of the few movies that I actually did get to see in the theaters in the early 80s. And I can't wait to eventually talk about it. But yeah, I am a huge Star Wars fan. But I'm glad I talked about Blue Thunder this week. And the TV show, not so much. I mean, I really don't even want to dive too much into it. But the, the movie I thoroughly enjoyed... I mean, as I said, I watched it for the first time in 1985 at a friend's house. Um, and just, I, I always vividly remembered two scenes and they didn't disappoint when I watched, rewatched it again just the other night was when Blue Thunder is flying outside of that uh, apartment, or not the apartment building, the government building, and he opens the window and you can just see the look on his face like, oh crap, we're screwed. And then, um, Lyman Goods, Daniel Stern being ran over by the car. I was just like, yep, that was exactly how I remembered it. And that's, so, I mean, Blue Thunder, it did hold up for me. I mean, some of, some of the effects were, were, um, dated, but you know, as a whole, I really did enjoy rewatching it. Uh, just a couple small Note, news uh, notes about the movie. Um, Roy Schneider told his agent uh, when the, whatever good script or decent script or half-ass script showed up that he was going to do it. And uh, the Blue, Thund- Blue Thunder script showed up and he said, I'm doing it. Sounds awesome. I'll do it. Helicopters are awesome. I'll do it. The reason this he did this is so he could not be tied to and he would not be there for the filming of wait for it, Jaws 3D. He did not want to be tied to that movie. He did not want to be in that movie. And I don't blame him. (laughs) I really don't blame him at all. And then the other uh, thing I want to talk about is the helicopter. It is an actual gazelle helicopter with added parts to it. Um, They did put a, a real Gatling gun on it. Um, did not work obviously they didn't want to put a real real gun on there but a real working gun at least it was a real gun because they tried plastic and stuff like that and it just didn't look right and uh but it was so heavy they actually had to add weight to the back of the helicopter to so it wouldn't like nosedive and uh, other things they did add it things here and there to make it look cool but the faa had to approve everything. They had to be there every day the helicopter flew because they did use a real helicopter at this time. And they wanted to make sure it was safe. It would be, it would be perfectly fine to, to fly around the, the, and the actors and everybody were going to be safe. And uh, it was just... So I just, I thought it was pretty cool that they actually did use a uh, real helicopter because, 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 because a couple years later, tragedy with a real helicopter on a movie set when um, the, the uh, Twilight Zone movie where the helicopter, I I don't know. I have to look into it more, but where they gave way and actually killed the actor into and uh, two children, child actor. And then that was the last time a real helicopter was used on set for a long time. 
So, um, Blue Thunder, then Twilight Zone, and then it took years before another helicopter was used on set. So, I want to thank you for uh, listening to me ramble on for about 40 minutes or so about Blue Thunder. Um, find it on Voodoo. Find it on Movies Anywhere. I don't know if it's on Netflix or Tubi or anything like that. Heck, look for it on YouTube if you want. Um, so I want to thank you for uh, giving me a listen this week. I'll be back in two weeks for 1984. And uh, until then, Nanu Nanu, live long or prosper, and may the force be with you.